Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And we'll do take two here. From the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Monday, June 5th, 2023. So what happened last week? Well, we broadcast on Wednesday, but what happened Thursday and Friday? So we came down in our household with human metanomovirus, HMPV. It's a respiratory disease that causes symptoms much like the common cold, cough, fever, congestion, runny nose, a sore throat, and shortness of breath, and in our case, laryngitis. So my son and I were afflicted with his malady and uh, I you know my son's of the age where his voice is starting to change. So I thought his voice is starting to change. Turned out it was this virus, right? Uh, so uh, I lost my voice Thursday afternoon, Friday went into Saturday, and then uh, and then uh, no, we're pretty good today. I had to teach a class today. So what kind of class was I teaching? So we uh, were doing the eight hour hazardous waste site and emergency operations HAZWOPER eight hour supervisor class today. And what is that? So we're probably familiar with 1910-120, the hazardous waste operations and emergency response uh, standard, 1910-120. And I think that 1926.65 is a in uh, the construction end, which is the same regulation. And well, uh, now all this training has to be tailor-made for the client. So in our case, we have a general uh, contractor who every once in a while, they get involved with hazardous waste site jobs. And as you know, the job is either under current corrective action, long-term remediation, that sort of thing, or it's already been remediated, capped, uh, things are done in situ, and they might have to break through the cap. So that necessitates on these jobs, some people at least, not everybody, but some people to have 1910-120 training uh, with that. That tells you all about the uh, hazards of the job and uh, what the proper procedures are and everything involved with hazmat. However, what happens is if you need supervisory training, that tells you, explains you how to run these jobs, how to choose the PPE. Uh, it gets into the nitty gritty of the certain legalities that may not be talked about in the uh, uh, general site worker course or the 24-hour uh, 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 
type of course for that setting for that and everything else. So we'll talk more about that in the very near future, I'm sure, with that. So uh, we're going to be, uh, no, last Thursday and Friday, I was going to be doing video work for a program that we're coming up with that we're actually going to sell. You're actually going to be able to buy uh, the program. And couldn't do it. <laughs> nope. Couldn't even, uh, even today I'm feeling it with my voice a little bit, but I can make it through. So uh, the training was, uh, tends to be very comprehensive. And we go over all of the things that are necessary for you to know how to do the job. So sampling techniques, waste techniques, how to choose proper PPE, certain legal issues that these regular classes don't go into. So if you're a supervisor, you know how to run the class. And then this GC's case, general contractor's uh, case, the general contractor is going to be overseeing other people and what they need to look for, how do they need to set up the job, with the local town and everything. So one of the things that I mentioned with all this stuff is probably the most important thing is when you get to a hazardous waste site job, you want to ask where is this waste going? What do we have to do with the waste? Has to be the first one. First question, even if you're on an emergency response crew, let's say for your local municipality or your city or your county, you have to ask that question because that's going to dictate what kind of containers you're going to use, what kind of sampling is necessary, what staging area you're going to use. Is, are you going to put it on the side in a bermed area? You need to create a berm and everything else. That's really important you do that. Uh, there was a, uh, I'm not allowed to say what resort city it is in the Carolinas that had a situation a couple of years ago where I got a phone call and they had some radioactive material there uh, that they had discovered uh, where Sky had, for whatever reason, uh, somebody passed away and they went to clean out the house and in the basement they had radioactive sources. Don't know what the guy was using them from. Don't know where it came from. And they called me up and they said, well, Jim, what do we do? And I was able to, I, I said, send me a picture of what these sources are. I said, they sent me a picture and I said, okay, I have worked with these sources before. You're going to get uh, these such and such readings with a, a radiation detector on them. And they're not a hazard per se. Uh, don't take possession of them. Well, why don't we want to take possession of them? Well, you let other people take possession of them, not your town, because then you take possession of them, you own them, so to speak. Uh, and now you have to manage it. So they let the state take possession of the materials. And what the, uh, what the main thing was with uh, that was they were ill-equipped. I don't want to say ill-equipped. They were not equipped to handle that sort of emergency. So if you're not equipped to handle that sort of emergency, you get the people out there who are equipped to handle that emergency. And this way, nobody gets hurt and things get managed correctly. Another case in point, there were two other uh, cases that I had cited. One was in uh, the Midwest. Both of them were in the Midwest. One of them was in the far west. I'm not going to mention the state because it's a very well-known small town in uh, out, out west where... 
my client said, and I was very young at the time, about 24 years old, very inexperienced on a certain level, and this would not happen today, where I, uh, they said, the client says to me, Jimmy, everything is all handled out here. We got everything all handled. I said, did you talk to the town? They know what we're doing. They have the equipment. Oh, everything's handled. Not a thing to worry about. Don't worry about a thing. Honest. Don't worry about it. So what do you think happens? We have an emergency. The place is on fire. The remedial process that we're using, the machinery is on fire. So what do you do in a fire emergency? What do you think? What do you think you do? You dial 911. Place is on fire. You dial 911, right? So I called up 911, and it was such a small town, and a new Jimmy from New Jersey is out there in the small town, and they say, uh, hey, uh, Jimmy, I just had a ping go off here. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, you know, hey, they knew me. Jimmy from New Jersey. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Hey, uh, we're not coming out there. I said, what do you mean not coming out there? Well, we told your boss that we're not equipped to fight that type of a fire. When the fire, let it burn itself out. If the fire looks like it's, is anybody hurt? Nobody's hurt. Okay. Well, if the fire starts approaching your trailer and spreads to the surrounding brush, give us a call back. We'll come out and put out the fire. True story. Again, all of this has to be set up ahead of time. And those are the types of scenarios that we go into with the, uh, with uh, that type of training with how do you set up the jobs, right? And things of that nature. So if you're interested, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com, we can do that training for you. We can do it even remotely, that level of training. We're all set up to do that. And uh, it's well worth it uh, with this. And people there, there were experienced construction managers in this class, but they were like, okay, we didn't know that. We Oh, or, hey, people have mentioned that before. Hey, now we're, we know that. Oh, by the way, it's a repeat customer now. So those are the kinds of training classes we do. And by the way, we did the whole class without PowerPoints. All that we used was a book, some handouts, and a whiteboard. No PowerPoint. And everybody got to keep everything. Everybody was writing notes in the book because they're going to, you know, that's the way I am. I work with one-on-one and have an extended conversation because that seems to be what works for me. Some people love to do the PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. You know, it's like after a while, it's like boom, boom, boom. People don't want to see that anymore. So, and... So that's our deal. So we're going to cover our main event about a a story that we have been covering for at least six months here, like eight months from the beginning of the show in September. At the the beginning of our coverage, we did not use the name. And then all of a sudden we started using the name of the company because it was ubiquitous and it was sounding ridiculous, us not using it. So we're going to go to a commercial break. I'm going to get out my material here, and we're going to talk about Dollar General. Uh, it's been all over the news, and of course, this is a story that we've been covering here for eight months, and it breaks, and I get laryngitis. <laughs> Gotta love it. So, we're going to take a com- brief commercial break. 
In an unpredictable world, one voice rises above the chaos. Meet Jim Polzel, a seasoned safety expert who's navigated through some of the most dangerous scenarios from anthrax, explosive cleanups, disasters, and numerous environmental cleanups, and lived to tell the tale. Now, he's bringing his wealth of knowledge, insights, and experiences to you through Safety Wars. From workplace hazards to the hidden dangers in your own home, Jim covers it all. With his engaging storytelling and expert analysis, Safety Wars isn't just a podcast. It's your guide to a safer world. Join Jim Polzel and become part of the Safety Wars Revolution. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Safety Wars, your safety is our mission. Thank you, Debbie. Did a pretty good job there. Uh, We're going to be revising that commercial a little bit. But anyway, so last week, we had two OSHA news releases. One on June 1st, one on June 2nd. And then at the same time, I'm getting uh, all this stuff coming across my news alerts about uh, Dollar General. So here is from June 1st. U.S. Department of Labor finds Dollar General, and this is right off of the OSHA website for their news release. So this is part of the public record. This is not Jimmy saying this or making this up or Safety FM saying this and making this up. This is right here from the OSHA website. U.S. Department of Labor finds Dollar General blocked emergency exits, allowed other safety hazards at four Southern Pennsylvania stores. So this is out of the Harrisburg office. Federal workplace safety inspections found hazardous conditions at four Southern Pennsylvania stores owned and operated by Dollar General Corporation and Dolgan Corp. LLC. Like those identified at the company's locations in more than 240 inspections across the nation since 2017. These inspections have led to more than $21 million in proposed penalties for the national discount retailer. And what are we looking at here? Uh, Again, to explain this, you have blocked exits. So, all of the, apparently these are all company-owned stores. They don't have like a franchise. I'm not sure on the whole business thing, but they are all being counted as one employer. So you have an issue that happens in one, you get cited on, and then a certain time later, usually within three years or five years, depending on what it is, it's a little bit fuzzy out there, you get cited at another facility, you're able to get a repeat violation because they're all counted as the same company. I have clients where this has happened to, uh, where, oh, well, we got cited on X, Y, and Z's job, and now they're an ABC project, and they get cited now for repeat violations, and it could be willful violations, and those tend to get very, very expensive, just like with uh, the, 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 with these things are getting over a hundred thousand dollars in penalties here, like hundred and, uh, 50 some thousand, something like that and penalties here for this. So then on June 2nd, department of labor finds dollar general continues to discount safety after inspections. Then Alabama and Florida yield eight repeat violations and $1 million in penalties. Again, this is off of OSHA region four news releases. And what were the problems? The problems were uh, the, the, the same hazards at Dollar General, 
which have locked exits, locked fire uh, exits, blocked electric panels, fire extinguisher blocking, uh, storage of materials improperly, and everything else. Again, that's in there. And then all of this hits the first and second. And what do we see? And this story is from, okay, what day is this? At, in the same time period, May 31st of last uh, week, right, you had stories hit all over the place here. This is from the Wall Street Journal, and it signed me out. Specifically, give me a second here. No, 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 no. No, that's not it. The recession signs. Dollar General reports challenging economic environment. This is from Friday, June 2nd. This was during last week was the annual shareholders meeting. So Nashville-based Dollar General's company performance is being referenced as a potential sign of recession after the economy failed to meet, and this is from Como News, to meet earnings expectations. On Thursday, the discount retailer released their earnings report, which showed decreases in operating profit and described plans to scale back new scoot door openings. And according to CNN, people are using more uh are uh, using more food banks, charity, care, that sort of thing, savings and credit cards. The core customers are reportedly earn around 40000 per year and are being pinched by the current economy. And that's for the economic and financial outlook. Here we have from CNN Business, and this story is from Wednesday, May 31st. Dollar General is the fastest-growing retailer in America, this is from CNN.com, opening about 1,000 stores a year, but following repeated violation, violent incidents and federal workplace safety violations at stores, some Dollar General workers and labor advocates are calling for stronger safety and health uh, protections. Since 2014, again, this is according to CNN, not Jimmy Polzel. There have been 49 people killed and 172 people injured at Dollar General stores, according to data from the nonprofit group Gun Violence Archive. A CNN investigation in 2020 found that at least six store employees died during armed robberies from 2016 to 2020. And uh, since, and again, this is CNN. Uh, since 2017, the federal agency has proposed more than $21 million in fines against Dollar General. Uh, with that, uh, in October, Dollar General was added to OSHA's severe violator enforcement program. The program devotes agency resources to employee employers cited for willful, repeated, and failure to evade violations and for showing indifference. That's in the agency's uh, interpretation to provide a safe and healthy workplace. Okay. that's all part of the general duty clause, right? And so, uh, again, uh, what, what they're requiring is, uh, what they're suggesting some people, uh, from, uh, employees that is that they have a safety professional in the, every store or someone who's promoting safety in every store. And, what things of that nature. And uh, that's with that.
Now, let's go with the inside story here with all this stuff with uh, workplace violence. We did a show a couple weeks ago uh, on workplace violence. Uh, and uh, what does it come down to here? Is there a workplace violence standard for uh, this type of environment? So like a, uh, a, a horizontal standard or vertical standard from OSHA, like you have the lead standard, the Haswoffer standard, and other standards like that. And the answer is no. All of these turn out to be what are called general duty clause violations. So what is the general duty clause under OSHA? In short, employers right, must supply a safe and healthful workforce I'm sorry, workplace for their workers, uh, no, free of recognized hazards. That is essentially what it comes down to with that. And that's a 501 uh, 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 standard 1910 uh, or a 1910, uh, okay, our website just went down. Okay, and that is, uh, oh, gotta love the internet. So specifically, under the Occupational Safety and Health Act, uh, the general duty clause of the is each employer shall furnish, this is a 5A1, uh, each employer shall furnish to each of his employees employment in the place of employment which are free from recognized hazards that are like, that are causing or likely to, to cause death or serious physical harm to his workers. All right, that is the general duty clause act. Now for, so often this is used when there is not an OSHA standard. So then to prove and get cited under this, you have uh, the OSHA has to uh, prove four things. And these are and, these are not uh, ors here. They have to prove all five of them. That is, the employer has failed to keep the workplace free of a hazard to which employees of that employer were exposed. The hazard was recognized, number two, the hazard was recognized either by the cited employer specifically or by the industry generally. The recognized hazard was causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm. And that number four, there was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. You have to prove all four of those. OSHA, and I'm not going to uh, speak on their behalf. That's not what I'm here for. That's not what the pur purpose is. All right. The... Uh, boom, boom, boom. All right, that's not the purpose of this conversation, of the, what we're talking about here. Uh, it's along the lines of, I'm not, no, I'm not speaking on their behalf. What I am saying is this. The, uh, it's very difficult to meet these four conditions under OSHA. They'd much rather issue like a, regula a citation on a, on a regulation, a specific regulation. So workplace violence, is there a workplace violence standard? No. However, is workplace violence 
And he recognized Hazard. Yeah. We have a publication right here. Do, 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 do. We have a, uh, give me a second. I just had it. We have a, oh, come on. We have a standard biosha here. Uh, uh, and there, uh, what's the publication here? Hold on. Do, 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 please, computer, don't lock up on me now. Here it is. You have OSHA publication 3153-12R from 2009. Recommendations for workplace violence prevention programs. This is for in-late night retail establishments. I don't know what the statistics are on these issues that um, they are having over at uh, Dollar General are, like the time of day or anything like this, but this indicates that workplace violence does occur from this and it has to do with retail work so this is a recognized hazard it's right here on the osha website and the other thing is this employees are getting killed by workplace violence reportedly according to the reports i've read in the mainstream media guess what that's they're failing on number one so you have to say well you have people dying that's failed now the whole thing is this well jim well, we'll go back to this. Then the recognized hazard was causing or was likely to cause death or serious physical harm or robbery. Yeah. Now here we have, there is a, now this is where the hard one is. There was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. Now you could say yes to all three. Number four, it's kind of hard to, uh, it's kind of hard to get. Was there a feasible use? So for example, in New York, it's illegal for a private citizen, non-law enforcement, to own a bulletproof vest. So this would preclude Dollar General from distributing, if they wanted to, bulletproof vests for all of their personnel. Okay, I disagree with the law, by the way, but this is what the law is. That's not feasible. Is it feasible? Yeah, maybe feasible. Is it useful? Uh, maybe yes or no, because body armor has its own hazards. However, it's illegal to do it in New York. So guess what? You could not cite them under the general duty clause for not having bulletproof vests. May happen in other states. I think it's a foolish way of doing things, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. How about other things here? So this publication here, has that, uh, has this right here, what, has this the risk of factors, exchanging money, solo work in isolated work areas, the sale of alcohol, poorly lit stores and parking areas, and lack of staff training and recognizing and managing escalating hostile and aggressive behavior. So this, I don't know anything about Dollar General, but they would have to maybe do something along these ways. These are the risk factors. 
You have to, and this is what it is, violence prevention programs should set clear goals and objectives to prevent workplace violence. The goals and objectives must be suitable for the size and complexity of workplace situation operations. In addition, the program should be adaptable to different situations at the work site. Whether, whatever format the program takes, it's critical that employers clearly explain the prevention program to all workers. So at a minimum, workplace violence prevention programs should establish a clear policy for workplace violence, verbal and nonverbal threats and related actions, right? Number two, ensure that no worker who reports or experienced workplace violence faces reprisals, encourage workers to report incidents and maintain records, outline a comprehensive plan for maintaining security at the workforce. The plan should include establishing a liaison with law enforcement representatives, and others who can help identify ways to prevent and mitigate workplace violence. Assign responsibility and authority, which is what they had suggested here, uh, the workers at Dollar Tree, uh, some workers, not all, some. Assign responsibility and authority for a program to individuals or teams with appropriate training and skills. And a firm management commitment to an environment, and this is what OSHA had com uh, commented on in their press release. Are they really committed to a safe and healthful workplace? So here you have what this is. So you're going to say, well, Jim, these are armed robberies, a lot of these, and most of them are armed robberies, apparently, according to the reports. Well, how are they going to do that? How are they going to uh, uh, mitigate that? There are ways of mitigating that. Many, any number of ways. Uh, putting employees behind bulletproof glass is one of them. Uh, uh, certain employees putting the money. Except, a lot of places are now doing cashless transactions only after a certain time. They don't accept cash. Uh, gas stations here in New Jersey have been doing that for time immemorial. Uh, remember, New Jersey is the only place that uh, has now has... Uh, where you're able to pump your, uh, where you're able, where you're not allowed to pump your own gas. And God forbid, they're, uh, God forbid, they are uh, enforcing that. You have an inspector there because they see you pumping gas. There's major uh, uh, stuff that goes down. We'll leave it, uh, we'll leave it at that, right? And it got, no, and this document here outlines everything. Uh, with the requiring management commitment, worker involvement, records review and analysis, all of this stuff, workplace and that worksite analysis, and it goes on and on and on for several dozen pages. So uh, here we have a self-inspection security checklist. Right. And again, if there was nothing in done in writing, or now I should say on video, guess what? It did not happen. That's just the way it is. They're not going to believe you. Oh, yeah. Did you do X, Y, and Z? Oh, yeah, I did X, Y, and Z. Well, where's your proof? Uh, I don't have proof. Guess what? They're not going to believe you. Whoever it is, whether it's a regulator, an attorney, a uh, judge, what have you, that's part of it. Does, do you have a security control plan? Yes or no? 
Policy statement, review of worker incident exposure. What kind of methods of control do you have for those mitigations? Engineering, work practice, training, reporting procedures, record keeping, counseling. Is there an evaluation of incidents, a floor plan, protection of assets, computer security, plan accessible to all workers? Is the plan reviewed and updated annually? Is the plan reviewed and updated when tasks are added or changed? Is there a policy statement? Work areas that were evaluated by employer? If yes, how often? What kind of engineering controls do you have? Now, do you have door controls, panic buttons, door detectors, closed circuit TV, metal detectors, sound detection, intrusion detection, intrusion panel, monitors, video recorder, switch? Handheld metal detector, handheld video camera. This may not all apply to Dollar Tree or other stores like this, but the question has to be asked on there, and there has to be an assessment. And that is actually from the Hartford Loss Control Department. OSHA had borrowed it uh, from that, and it goes on and on and on. Then you have another one who, as far as staffing, and this, again, is, uh, who is this from? It's in the uh, OSHA form, but it's, I suspect it's also from the same people. That, is there someone responsible for building security? Right. Now, this is not to guarantee. I mean, this is where we get back to the what is safe. And that's how I start out every class I have is a discussion of what's safe, what is safety, that sort of thing. So this adds to it with to adding controls, right? Is safety the absence of incidents, illnesses, and injuries, or is it the presence of controls, resiliency, capacity in the system, right? Your ability to do stuff. This is where this comes into this, where you're able to add controls, add safety, right? Any one of these things could fail, any, any of these things that I mentioned, and there are more. I mean, this goes on for pages and pages. Any of those things could fail. But if one thing fails, does everything else fall apart? Or is there a failure with consequences? Right. And you have to show, right? Uh, so I imagine what OSHA will do is if they're, well, as far as the, their investigation is to go out there and they're going to break this thing out with this the way it is right and now uh, guess what were there feasible ways of how do we do this now if osha doesn't do it will law enforcement do it will an attorney do it and i don't know i'm not an attorney i'm not here to give legal advice however we are here to talk about what we are have expertise in which is keeping workers safe and workplaces safe something to consider here and apparently according to media reports at the uh, shareholder meeting for Dollar General, they were going out there and uh, uh, the uh, shareholders voted on uh, a third-party oversight of some sort with this so they could not pay $21 million of proposed OSHA uh, penalties. And it's not clear to me whether these... uh, uh, what the status is if they're contesting them. I imagine they are, but I'm, it's not really clear in the information we have that's probably handled internally and will come out at a later time for that. 
and my voice is starting to go. You can hear about it. I'm getting raspy. Ay, 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 ay. So uh, it's about time for another commercial break. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including... Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Let me point out, we don't become amazing. We were amazing all along, right, with that. And uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, pretty much it. Uh, here's some kind words from Jay Allen, uh, our chief safety officer here at Safety FM. Have you listened or watched uh, the Safety War Show. It does stream live on, on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would, I would strongly encourage you to, um, to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. Thank you, uh, Jay Allen, the safety mystic, Jay Allen. All right. He hasn't commented on my, what I call him. I call him the safety mystic. Uh, great guy, great person to work with and everything else. Uh, okay. So we're going to go into some of our news stories here that came out in the last couple of days with this, uh, safety related and otherwise, uh, we're probably going to talk a little bit about presidential politics because this uh, comes up and no, I'll get through a couple of stories. We'll talk about presidential politics uh, with this. Here's from study finds. Getting married may be the best way for working men to avoid burnout. This is a study out of Moscow, Russia. If you ever feel burnt out from working, you're definitely not alone. The mental exhaustion can make people feel disconnected from their own bodies, minds, and emotions and make them feel less fulfilled in life. Now, researchers from the National Research University Higher uh, School of Economics, HSE, say there may be a solution. Get married. Their study finds that a happy marriage can fight off work-related burnout, specifically among men. For men, career success can often become a fundamental aspect of their identity and self-esteem as a... Result, they may encounter greater pressure in the workplace and experience elevated stress levels while striving to fulfill their duties and meet expectations. In this context, marital satisfaction and feeling supported in one's private life can become critical factors in preventing burnout among men. 
Oh, uh, this is uh, from uh, Ilya Bolgakov, a doctoral student at HSC School of Psychology in a media and uh, a media release. This has gone under a lot of uh, changes over the years. So, for example, and I I, I can say this right uh, here. I'm not going to get into trouble. Is well, I can't get into trouble, but uh, screw it. Uh, the, my father worked for Western electric, which uh, was one of the country's largest employee employers. And before it was broken up in the eighties and you can read the whole history behind that, uh, right. When the mob bell, uh, the mob bell, uh, breakup. And when he got in to the, uh, uh, industry, he was a tool and die maker for 37 years, uh, by the way, he worked with Adam Simvora, who was Richie Simvora of Bon Jovi fame. Uh, now, that was his father. Uh, right? They worked together, but I digress. Uh, a lot of the management, a lot of the workers and higher-ups picks person in charge. If you were not married, you did not. they did not really want to hire you. You were lower marriage material. You weren't, I'm not, if you were management material. Unless you were married because they felt ma married men were better managers because there was stability in their life. I'm just telling you the way it is. And then back in the seventies and eighties, he noticed a major change in the way that that company managed up until their breakup. And then the subsequent successor companies were, no, we want someone who's not married. That way can, they can be married to the company and they can dedicate more time in that. So it would seem that this, and a lot of companies had that philosophy. So apparently, according to at least one study, that may have some credence with that, at least with men. Now I'm going to say, well, that's misogynist, that's this, that's, whatever it is, the data is the data, and I'm just telling you the history behind it. I see pros and cons to each thing, and we're not really supposed to. It's like illegal to go and start uh, doing hiring practices, uh, based on marital status or anything like that. But apparently in other countries, it's not it's still not illegal to do that. And apparently there is some uh, data associated with this, at least in one study. I think it's something uh, for further uh, study. Perhaps the reason why we have so much societal in society instability nowadays is because of our social relationships. Not necessarily marriage, but people are less connected. They're right. We're no, well, they're more connected because they're on the internet, but they're less connected because they're on the internet with people and things. And they think that a lot of these relationships online are real. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe we have to go and study this a little bit more. It's worth it. It's worth the question and the discussion. I don't know. Tell me what you think. You say, Jimmy, go to hell? Okay, well, then, I'll, you know, go to hell. Whatever. This is uh, from a weird automotive story from Study Finds Again. Apocalypse Ready Super Truck, released by Florida manufacturer Vares and Doomsday Style. A unique car manufacturer has released a truck perfect for a trip to the grocery store or the end of the world. Apocalypse Manufacturing boasts that their $160,000 super truck has a medieval barbaric design 
The Florida-based firm's four-wheeler features an aggressive front grille, perfect for skithing, skithing through zombie hordes. If you're preparing for such a thing or a trip to get toilet paper, like we learned during the pandemic, I added that, uh, but, uh, true. I mean, believe me, uh, I know somebody who, uh, I know somebody who had a, uh, badge from his company made up, uh, that was because he was part of an emergency response team. During Superstorm Sandy, somebody uh, approached him in a Home Depot because he was buying a gas can and there weren't too many gas cans. And then when he whipped out the badge, the person ran away. So uh, anyway, I digress. How does that relate to this? Not any, you know, intimidating people sort of thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, medieval barbaric design. People do crazy things. And the guy wanted to have a fight with this person over a gas can. All right. Really, right? It comes fitted with a steel rear bumper that's impenetrable to external forces and the ability to ramp launch 10 feet off the ground. I guess that's like Kit from Knight Rider. Talk about your monster trucks. Uh, I don't know what the... Uh, right? The, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I guess it's like a fetish type of thing for some people who have a disaster fetish. How AI could take over elections and undermine democracy. And this is from Study Finds. Could organizations use artificial intelligence language models such as ChatGPT to induce voters to behave in specific ways? I think that's been proven. I don't think we need a freaking study on that. We just need a study as to what extent. Like I tell people, just because you see it on TV, internet, and read it in the newspaper... No, news, we used to have things called newspapers. Doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and do it. Well, yeah, but we have to. We're seeing this. I'm compelled to do it. I said, look, you are being programmed. You are being manipulated. They're giving you this information for free. And if they're giving you information for free, you are the product. So what it is, there was a uh, interview from a number of years ago I heard on a podcast with a uh, federal whistleblower that said data mining was one of the main things, was one of the main things that uh, uh, companies look for. They would data mine, find out what your interests are, and then develop a, uh, uh, a model to market prices, things to you, product Political product, it could be manipulation and everything else. And guess what? That's what's happening nowadays. Uh, right? On my personal Facebook page, I have the thing, I'm trying to solve a problem. Well, how do you solve the problem? Turn off the damn TV. You can already start to get closer to the problem, uh, to the solution. Uh, so uh, this is Senator Josh Hawley asks, open AI, open AI. CEO Sam Altman in this question in May 16th right, about uh, influencing voters. Altman replied that he was indeed concerned that some people might use language models to manipulate, persuade, or engage in one-on-one interaction with voters. Uh, Altman did not elaborate. Again, effective communication. 
whether you're in a training class or anything, is very important. You want to motivate people with safety? You have to master the language. You have to have what you're going to say ahead of time for every type of scenario, unless you're able to think on your feet. And I'm going to tell you, most people cannot think on their feet. Right? It takes practice. So uh, anyway, Super Chief smartphone app monitors blood pressure using your device's camera. A new local smart low-cost smartphone app, app that can monitor blood pressure with a 3D printed plastic attachment could change the way people with hypertension keep track of their health. They're trying to do this, uh, and they have done it with blood glucose monitors and also with uh, pacemakers where they're able to upload data, right? Even though you can't at, don't have access to it, you know, your doctor has access to data. My brother has, uh, and that was seven years ago, he... Uh, before he passed away, he had all of his data going to uh, his doctor and the morning of his, the heart attack that finally killed him, it called saying, you having a problem, right? You have a problem. So uh, anyway, uh, and then after he passed away, they had all the data on his uh, heart, what was going on. Now, uh, oh, oh, oh. So uh, that's what we could blood pressure monitor with that. I'm sure it would be easier. I know with blood sugar monitors, with people who are diabetic, it makes it a lot easier with these continuous monitors. And a related story, Blue Mondays, deadly heart attacks happen most often at the start of the week. I don't understand. Now, the Royal uh, Belfast Health and Social Care Trust and the Royal College of Surgeons analyzed data uh, between 2013 and 2018, over 10,000 cases. And they found out that uh, Mondays is a bad day for that. I believe it. You're recovering from the weekend. Maybe your circadian rhythms are a little bit off. You're tired of getting up. Okay, I get it. That might be of concern with that. Uh, but I, this is not the first study to uh, say that. Right, uh, I remember reading things going way back, and I know I read too much. Here you have a story. We're going to change pace a little bit. Thousands are living in RVs on Los Angeles streets. Leaders want to shrink that number, but the solution is elusive. Early one recent Friday morning, sanitation workers, homeless outreach, and this is from CNN LA, uh, workers and LAPD officers arrived on a little street in the west of Los Angeles and uh, Strasman uh, Avenue. And what did they find? They were offering RV residents $500 gift cards and a motel room. The city also offered to tow and destroy their RVs. One RV managed to leave under its own steam with what smelled like sewage leaking along the road as it left. And again, people are desperate out there. We are in desperate economic times. One of the reasons why we had Murray Saverin, a professor emeritus from Emeritus from Ramapo College on here talking about the economy several weeks ago was because it has to do with safety, your economic and financial safety. It's a very thing. Now, my question is this. Every one of these people has a story. They say 11,000 people are living in RVs across LA. Every one of these people has a story, and it's not going to be a government program that's going to help these people. 
It has to be one-on-one. Can you have government programs managing people one-on-one? Yeah, I've been involved in a couple of these programs uh, to help people uh, not get into these situations, and it's always one by one, right? So what I find out, and, and you know, uh, some people used to say this about some national leaders, where when they when they're talking about politics, they say one thing with the TV cameras on the radio microphones in their face. When you get them behind uh, closed doors, talking with the people that they're working with, it's a totally different thing. They're a lot more harsher. And that's been my experience also. So, uh, you know, some of the groups I've worked with uh, through my uh, university days, right, uh, helping the inner city folks uh, with and lower income folks get better jobs and jobs programs, Right, and they have this one thing during their advertisement behind closed doors, and they're pretty harsh with the people with their uh, with their things. So, again, not one cookie cutter size. It has to be an individual approach, person to person, one on one. Doesn't that sound like human organizational performance in a way? Setting up systems that people don't fail. One-on-one, educating people, empowering people in a positive direction. It's all related here. It's what one of our themes are here. So here's one for you. Electric vehicles appear to appeal to conservative buyers sick of gas guzzlers. Tony, Tony Federico bought his Tesla Model 3 in 2018. And this is from... Uh, the Washington Post. A former Marine who votes Republican, Federico said he was drawn by the cool technology and the chance to save money on gas. I think self. I think selfishly it was. You know how is going to be help my pocketbook. However, uh, he wasn't concerned about the uh, environmental concerns so much. Hold on. Electric vehicles are often associated with liberal coastal times to speak of saving the planet, but in this Republican stronghold of North Dallas, more and more people are deciding that driving an EV is just common sense. I'm going to say this. Uh, a lot of my, no, a lo- I'm to the right of center. A lot of my friends who are right, also right of center drive electric vehicles. One, they're cool looking and they get to go fast and accelerate quick, but you ha- they did an assessment that, they, hey, they're only going on short trips. They're not going on like a one-hour, two-hour commute a day like me. This is more of a practical thing to have an electric vehicle. Plus, maintenance needs are better, uh, you know, in the short term at least, and things of that nature. So they've uh, opted for electric vehicles. And... I don't think that uh, any of this is sustainable. That's why I came to that conclusion uh, a while ago to have uh, get away with fossil fuels and be doing this. And by the way, the administration uh, does agree with that also. They see fossil fuel usage going out to 2050, regardless of what they say on the campaign trail uh, with that. Uh, so I don't know how sustainable it is. We don't have the grid for this. No plans in getting a grid for this. Remember, we only have 77 uh, radio stations on the emergency uh, bro- uh, not the emergency broadcast for the emergency alert system. 
we're behind on a lot of this stuff. We don't have the capacity on basic things, or including this. This is a weird story, and this is not the first time this has happened. A pilot spotted, spotted slumped over in a plane chased by fighter jets over D.C. before it crashed. The NTSB is leading the investigation. Officials were at the crash site Monday to begin documenting the scene. So apparently, uh, according to a uh, the news reports that I've heard tonight, they believe it was from lack of oxygen. Uh, and here they lost oxygen. They lost pressure. Everybody went... Uh, Everybody was non-responsive on the plane, and they just let the plane run out of gas, and it crashed. That's the official story right now with this. Uh, and it uh, flew over the White House, uh, fighter pilots from uh, Edwards Air Force Base and um, the FAA Tech Center in South Jersey, uh, which one of our listeners, uh, I'll mention her first name, Jill, and another one, Tiffany, work at. Uh, they, uh, uh, they, uh, from that base, they, it seems like everybody associated for Stockton college worked there or went for on job interviews there. I almost got a job there, believe it or not, as an avian control officer at the, at the thing, you could figure out what that was, but, uh, essentially they, uh, there were sonic booms over Washington and everything else uh, from the fighter jets intercepting this thing. It was never a threat, but it crashed. And uh, rest in peace, everybody and involved, and save her for their families. I hate to see things like this happen, especially there was a child on board this plane. Here we have another story here. Europe's top eco-zealots are plotting a huge civil disobedience campaign of highway blockages and disruption at federal properties in America's first summer of chaos. European climate uh, activists have brought whole cities to a standstill. This summer, they're setting up a headline-grabbing disturbances in the U.S. I would say be very careful where you do this because... A lot of people are very hostile towards these blockages, especially in the United States. Uh, so they're planning large-scale civil disobedience campaigns of highway blockages, hunger strikes, and disruption at federal properties. Could this be called maybe an insurrection of some sort? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to be, you know, getting people all riled up here. Uh, but... Uh, in Europe, the same organizers uh, were uh, tens of thousands of protesters last year. Uh, not conspiratorial, but it seems like the leaders are all the same in Europe and what probably what's going on in America. That's what it looks like here. So uh, here's another thing. Vaping helps fuel huge rise in bad behavior on planes. So here is uh, from CNN Travel. Uh, there was a hope that when mask mandates on planes end and people got used to traveling again, airplane passenger behavior might improve. Perhaps all those mid-air mid scraps, diverted flights and abuse and harassment of flight attendants might die down, but that dream has been dashed. Unruly passengers are more than a third higher in 2022 and 20, than 2021. Uh a new global analysis by IATA, the International Air Transport Association, has revealed. Uh, 
The aviation body has recorded an increase of 37% on uh, year on year. The most common types of incidents being those that involve non-compliance, verbal abuse, and intoxication. The smoking of cigarettes, e-cigarettes, and vapes and puff devices in the cabin or lavatories was the number one non-compliance issue highlighted by IATA following uh, wide failure to fasten seatbelts when instructed, exceeding the carry-on baggage allowance, and failing to store baggage when required, and consumption of alcohol on board. All right, so that's happening. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So... going on right all of this stuff they're saying you know the headline doesn't mask uh, doesn't really drive with the article here but what's the cause uh, apparently vaping and alcohol I don't know vaping things have many different things I think people are just emboldened somehow could be part of the puzzle Here's a story of the weird here, paranormal. Whistleblowers worked on secret U.S. government program to rebuild crashed UFOs. The world of alien conspiracy theories has been blown wide open thanks to confessions of four experts told uh, of a secret UFO repair scheme they worked on for the U.S. government. This is from the Daily Star. I don't know how uh, what the credibility of this paper is, but this is not new information. We've been hearing this, I've been hearing it for 50 years. The bombshell revelation came from one of America's top former intelligence officials who has called on world leaders to finally come clean, come clean about unexplained recovered wreckage. Ex-Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence Christopher Mellon, who served under Presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, said he has received reports that the government has engaged in a reverse engineering project involving UFOs. I've heard this for Decades. He said personally he had, had referred uh, four witnesses in the Defense Department's All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, AARO, which is probing 800 reported close encounters between military personnel and UFOs. Now, I did not agree with him, but this is all uh, what Harry Reid's doing, Senator Harry Reid, who really pushed for this on his way out of the Senate. We might not have ever heard of any of this stuff, and it was put into uh, the public uh, domain, a lot of this stuff. And uh, people say, well, disclosure is coming. Disclosure is coming. I think disclosure is happening, and where it's, being, where it's happening is by comments, offhanded comments by former presidents like Barack Obama, uh, one, uh, senators like Hillary Clinton. Again, these are not right-wing uh, lunatics here. These are relatively mainstream uh, people. Harry Reid, you can't get any more mainstream Democrat than him with this stuff. Uh, again, what my opinion, my experience tells me that there's some questions that need to be answered here, and it's already being disclosed through TV and mass media. 
And you would say, well, Jim, what do you mean? I said, well, you know the anti-smoking campaigns in the 1990s that, by the way, were kicked off by President Bill Clinton in the early 1990s, I think it was 93 or 94, at Woodbridge High School in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Uh, the principal was my next-door neighbor, Mr. Bell, when Mr. Clinton came to down and uh, uh, had done this and my father tried to gain entrance into the thing get free tickets he couldn't do it uh but it was right literally right down the street where the anti-smoking campaign officially started for the clinton campaign and part of this anti-smoking campaign was to insert messages into tv shows no internet in those days internet was in its infancy and went into tv shows so the fact that we have shows like in the 90s, starting with the X-Files, even before the 90s, shows like Twilight Zone, Star Trek, movies like Star Wars, and then V uh, in the mid-80s. Uh, By the way, a lot of anniversaries associated with V this time of year. Uh, Elena Rapp, who is the president of uh, V, uh, the fan club, I don't know if that's still an organization, but she's the de facto president of one, and she was the president of one. Uh, her brother was a good friend of mine in college, so I got to meet her, and I've known her for 30 years. Uh, all of this stuff going on uh, here with uh, this, this has been, disclosure is already happening. It's already happening in the mass media. What uh, Catholic Church is even in on this with their observatory out in, I believe it's New Mexico. This, and then what's going to happen? One day they're going to disclose something and say, well, we told you all alone, of course. It's going to be like, well, of course we've been telling you about this all alone. Along, have you been paying attention? Uh, next story I have is on all of that. You can Google it. I don't want to beat a... Uh, 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 dead horse here, and okay, we wanted to talk about presidential politics. As of today, uh, in the last couple of days, we've had three more people enter the presidential race. Robert F. Kennedy, right, has entered in officially, and that's been for a couple of weeks. We really didn't talk about that. Uh, number one. Number two, Cornell West uh, for the People's Party, which is a third uh, party, scholar and activist Cornell West, uh, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, who I've met a number of times when he was governor and running for governor, uh, were uh, out, uh, uh, were, uh, have all declared. Now, here's the question here with this. With all of this, how do we know whether they're a serious candidate or not? Especially these third party or lesser known, lesser connected things. It's one thing and one thing only. Ballot access. We did a program, one of our few Saturday programs several weeks ago. If they do not, and real short, if they do not get on the ballot, and every state has different requirements for getting on the ballot. That means voting, right? So tomorrow, for example, is New Jersey primary elections, uh, right, uh, for the midterm elections, where if you do not get on that ballot, 
you are not a legitimate candidate. And they're just doing this for exposure. Now, there are uh, reasons that are rather legitimate for declaring yourself a candidate and not getting on the ballot. There are, right? But, you know, that's really not nice. So that's the question. When any of these new people come out, can are they on the ballot? Can they get on the ballot? And that's where I'm uh, going to go. And probably that's worth another uh, uh, program in itself. So I'm going to sign off for tonight. Uh, and uh, with uh, another commercial by Debbie, my wife, my lovely wife. And uh, then we will see you, God willing, tomorrow. Should have a no problem getting back on the air uh uh, uh, this week with this since I now have a voice and everything else. So for Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Pozel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant, that's Safety Wars. Join a safety revolution with Safety Wars. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Uh, by the time that you folks are reading uh, or listening to this uh, broadcast, most of you, it's already going to be uh, June uh, 6th, which is the anniversary of D-Day. So we are playing the Star Spangled Banner in honor of those people who fought on D-Day and lost their lives.